Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we stand and lift up our hands all across the building and let's begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. We glorify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. Thank you that you brought us into your house, God. Hallelujah. There's no better place to be. There's nowhere else I'd rather be, God, than to be worshiping you with all of your people, God. We give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of 1 John chapter 5. Good to see everybody on this wonderfully beautiful sunny Sunday. Anybody thankful to, to be out and start to see the warm weather coming back? And Hey, wait till it's 100 degrees and we're all crying and waiting for the snow. It's just, no. Amen. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Let's skip down to verse number 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. And I want to teach to us for a few moments on the blood, the water, and the spirit. Why don't we set our Bibles down and let's pray one more time that God would help us, that God would speak to us. We want to learn from your word, God. Hallelujah. Somebody worship him. Somebody praise him. God, we glorify you. I pray God touch this word. Help us to glean from your from your word, God, to help us to understand salvation on a deeper level, God, of what you've really done for us. We give you praise and glory, honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Blood, water, and spirit. I want to recap what we've been kind of going through and talking about for the last few weeks. We are going through and talking about the Apostles' Doctrine. We're going through doctrine. We've talked and started for the first little bit of the year talking about the oneness of God, uh, which really is the first doctrine. If we get that wrong, we miss everything. Um, but it is through that revelation of one God that we start to uh, understand the Bible uh, more, more fully. And we then moved on, and we're now in sin and salvation. And a couple weeks ago, I, I talked about sin. We talked about the different types of sin, uh, not just those that they say the seven deadly sins. We learned that all sins are deadly, and, uh, and ultimately we learned that there's sins of omission. That's when you know something's right, but you choose not to do it. Things like prayer. We know prayer is right, and uh, the sin of omission is to not do, and then there's the sin of commission. That's things we know that are wrong, but we do them anyways. Those are the ones that are easier to pick up on, lying, cheating, stealing, so on and so forth. And, um, and ultimately, we, we've learned through the Bible and through the biblical model and understanding that we are all sinners. And, and if we can go to Romans 6, 23, uh, we'll, we'll go there, Brother Worley. 
He's got these. I love to give them lots of verses, get them on their, keep them on their toes. The Bible says this, the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The payment, the penalty of sin, omission, commission, regardless of what the sin is uh, or the level, if you will, that some people think there's different levels to sin, uh, regardless, the penalty, the payment is still death. That's for everybody. Uh, let's go Romans 3 and 23. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's everybody. That's uh, from the preacher all the way to the last seat in the house and everybody outside of this building. Everybody sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then it goes on, and, and love how Romans always has some good news with it. But we are being justified freely by his grace. We fell short of his glory, but we are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, what we've done wrong uh, in the past the, through the forbearance of God. God was patient with us. The Bible says that God was uh, patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And now, though we've all fallen and come short of the glory of God, we have the opportunity through the blood of Jesus Christ to be redeemed. And somebody said amen. Ephesians 2 and 12. The Bible says that at that time you were without Christ. Anybody remember those days? Amen. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. Anybody remember the day when you had no hope? And I want to tell you, if you're here today and you feel hopeless, you're in the right house. And we were without God in the world. That was our condition because of sin. Sin produced death. It produces separation from God. And as we, uh, as we continue to talk about salvation, we're going to go through the different things that Jesus has done through his death and resurrection. Uh, we're going to go through those in the next little bit. But but the penalties of sin is more than just death. It's separation. It's estrangement from God. And that was our condition without him. We were without hope. We didn't have God in this world. We were by ourselves. We were alone. We were strangers. We didn't have the covenants of promise. We, we had no promises. And then the Bible says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. In other words, we're seeing a theme here. We were all afar off. We were all messed up. We all had mistakes. We had all become estranged. We had all fallen short. We had all sinned. And now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, which Brother Ray has talked about the blood a little bit um, last week, but now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to draw close to him. At one point, we were only worthy of death. We were only worthy of the penalties of sin. We were only worthy of being estranged from God. We could not come close to him because sin cannot, no, the Bible says, no flesh should glory in his presence. When, when we come before him, we are dirty, we are filthy, we are sinful. But when we get the blood of Jesus, we are now able to get close to him. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 9 and 22. And so... We are sinners, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to be saved. 
Hebrews 9 and 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The penalty of sin is death, so there must be a death. God does not unwrite his law. God does not rewrite his law. God writes a provision in the law. And that is that we might have sinned, but we can be saved. Amen. And so that 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 death must still come. And that death will produce and will come from the shedding of blood. Leviticus 17.11 says this. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Some people want to know, well, why did God require blood? Why is Christianity, Judaism, why, why are we so, um, you know, some people would think it like this. And before I came to God, I thought very much like this. Why is Christianity such a bloody religion? And uh, Brother Ray has talked about this last week, that they're trying to take the blood out of the church and trying to clean up and, and, and really trying to proverbially Clorox the, the church and make it a blood blood-free religion, but that's not how Christianity was. Uh, this thing is based on blood. This whole religion that we have, this whole relationship with God is based in blood. And it's a, it's kind of, in our human sense, it's a gross thing. It's, it's not something we want to talk about. But why? Why would God require blood? Well, we read previously that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Remission of what? Sin. There is no payment. There's no there's no, uh, like, remitting a coupon. There is no payment for that penalty, and it only comes through the shedding of blood. Well, why blood? Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So life is in the blood, and when there is shedding of blood, that is when there's remission. In other words, when there's shedding of blood, there is a shedding of life, and therefore the penalty of sin has been paid, and that is death. And he said this, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. You cannot offer fruit. You cannot offer, you cannot offer, you, the Bible says that this is not bought with money. You can't offer it with money. Uh, I know that there's some that come from other religions. I won't mention them, but they believe in penance. You can pay your way out. Let me just tell you, you can't pay your way out of hell. There is... Not enough money in the world. This ought to help some broke folk, hallelujah, uh, that didn't have. Because if that was the case, then only the rich could get free. And, 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 and if, if it came from other things, only those that had that skill or ability, if it came through your singing, only those that could sing would get free. But it didn't come through that. It came through the blood. Hebrews 10 and 4. And so God through the Bible, we're going to talk about this more in depth, but I want to give a little, a little, uh, a little background that it has to be the shedding of blood. There has to be death. Death is the penalty. It is the, it is the wage. It is the payment. It has to be paid. And so the Bible says this in Hebrews. I love the way it words this. For the law having a shadow. That's really what the Old Testament is. It is a foreshadowing. It is letting us see things. And when you read the Old Testament, uh, we've got to read it literally. We've got to see what's literally in there. But also, when you read the Old Testament, I like to read the Old Testament. I like to see where I can find Jesus and where I can find, uh, you know, a, a, a where I can find the goodness of God. Because it is a shadow of, of bad things to come. No, of good things to come. 
and not the very image of the thing. So it's not what we're looking for in the Old Testament. It's not, it's not the literal. It's saying that it's a shadow. It's a foreshadowing. It's a type of what's coming. And, and it says that can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the comers there into perfect. What is that saying? Old English for saying that they would come every year with these sacrifices, thinking that these sacrifices were enough. And they would come every single year with these sacrifices thinking, okay, this is going to take care of all of our sins. But the Bible says if they were the thing that they were looking for, then they would not have, they would have, basically they would not have ceased to be offered. Uh, it was a question being made. And it's saying that if this was what they were looking for, they would have stopped offering it. They wouldn't have come every year. But. The Bible says, because the worshipers, once they were purged, should have had no more conscience of their sins. Had the blood of bulls and goats worked, they wouldn't have had conscience of sin. They would have stopped coming every year. If that, if that payment of blood would have been enough, they would have stopped. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Every time they brought that bull or that goat or that dove or, or anything they were reminded of their sins. And what it's saying is that the law was a shadow of good things to come. What is that good thing? Jesus Christ's blood. It is saying that we, have, we read that law and, and we should look at that law and see every time they brought that sacrifice, every time they brought that bull, every time they brought that goat, they were being reminded of their sins, of their failures, of their mistakes, of their shame, of their guilt. Every single time. And they had to keep coming back every single year. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats, let's read this. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So, God required blood. God required death. God required payment for sins. But yet we see that it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So what happens? Every year they come back. And, and, and what we see is we see the mercy of God. That's what we read earlier, the forbearance of God. They would bring that sacrifice, and that, that animal would be slaughtered. The blood would be poured out, and their sins would be pushed ahead one more year. And that is the mercy of God. The mercy of God is the withholding of judgment. And so some people are praying only for mercy, but I've come to tell you, you don't just need mercy, you need grace. Uh, mercy is the withholding of what uh, mercy is the withholding of what I deserve grace is the giving of what I do not deserve and there's a big difference between the two and and what we see here is that through the blood of bulls and goats the the penalty of sin was stayed one more year the the payment was was currently it was just said okay one more year it was as if they got an extension on their loan and it wasn't being called yet but Ultimately, to pay that penalty, you can't do it through the blood of bulls and goats. So what do we need? Matthew 26 and 28. Jesus is talking. And he says, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The life of the flesh is in the blood. God gave it upon the altar to make an atonement for the soul, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And then Jesus shows up and says, I've come to give my blood. Because when the blood of bulls and goats could not work, 
that was just a shadow of the good things to come. In that Old Testament, in that old way, they'd sacrifice bulls and goats and, and everything, and that was just letting them know that there was something better coming. And, and, and then Jesus says, I'll tell you what that better thing coming is, that when the blood of bulls and goats could not redeem man, God became a man to redeem man. When animals would not work. See, that's why Jesus didn't come as an angel. He didn't come as a chicken. Because <laughs> he realized to redeem man that is under the law, I've got to become a man under the law. Amen. And so he says, this is my blood. And let's continue on to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. So we got to have, we, we've sinned, we, we deserve death, but now we need blood. We've got to have blood. And, and the blood of bulls and goats won't work. That's why, that's why we're not going to grab a chicken and bring it into the church. <laughs> Everybody said amen to that. Uh, it was just a foreshadowing, a type, because Jesus' blood is what we need. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you can't pay your way out. From your vain conversations received by the traditions of your fathers. But I want you to notice what we are redeemed with. But with the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb without blemish or spot. Can I tell somebody that nothing else can work but the blood of Jesus? We've got to have the blood of Jesus. So, without fail, we realize that in order to be saved, we've got to have the blood. And it cannot be the blood of bulls and goats. It cannot be the blood of, 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 of a sinful individual. It has to be a perfect sacrifice. And who is that perfect sacrifice? His name is Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that, that Cain, in anger, slew his brother Abel. And that, that blood was spilled out on the ground. And the Bible says that his blood cried out. But then it says the blood of Jesus Christ better things, speaks better things than that of Abel. What was Abel's blood crying for? I'll tell you what Abel's blood was crying for. It was crying for revenge, vengeance, trying to get revenge over what they had been done wrong. And ultimately, that is what happens when we sin. There is a cry that is made that says mankind deserves death. But the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things. It, 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 pre it preaches redemption. And it preaches that, that you can be saved. And though, though there's a blood that we've done wrong and it cries vengeance, Jesus' blood cries out and says, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's why it's the precious blood of Christ. Amen. Let's talk about blood, water, and spirit for just a little while. These are the things the Bible says that bear record in the earth. The blood, the water, and the spirit. What is that record? That is the record of someone being saved. Everywhere you look in the Bible at somebody needing to be saved, you will find these elements of blood, water, and spirit. It is something that is undeniable. Genesis 3 and 21. When we look at Adam and Eve, the first sin in the Bible, doing what they know is not right. They have sinned. They at one point were innocent. They had done no wrong. But look at what God has done once they've sinned. God did not chase them off. God chased them down. In Genesis 3 and 21, and unto Adam also and to his wife, 
did the Lord God make coats of skin and he clothed them. Now, we can look at this, and I'm not going to just take one verse. We're going to keep going through the Bible. But we can look and see that God got coats not of leaves like they had tried to make, not of, not of some, some fiber or fabric. God got coats of skins. What do we have to get skins from? An animal. We've got to have death. And so God himself sets the precedent from the very beginning that when you sin, there's got to be death. And we're going to talk about that next time. We're going to talk about death, burial, and resurrection. But here, he's got to have blood. And so there's a death of an animal. There is blood that is shed. And, 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 and we can assume. Now, I'm not always fun with assuming in the Bible. But I, I know some people have the idea that he took a bloody coat and covered them. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, but it could have very well happened. But we see that God kills an animal. And there has to be something washing that. And whether it's the blood or water, he closed them. His spirit covers them. And that is how mankind is. The mercy of God has been put on their life. That is how Adam and Eve have been saved. There's been blood. There's been water to wash those coats. And now God's spirit has covered them and has clothed them. Let's go to Genesis chapter 7 and verse 15. Noah is now in a generation that is run by conscience. It's run by self-government or human government. It is now run by you do what you think is right. And the Bible lets us know that all the earth was filled with violence. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great. And here we have what happens to man. And they went into the ark, Noah, in, they, and they went in, unto Noah into the ark. Two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they went in, male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted above, up above the earth. Genesis 7 and 22. Let's, let's get all the context here. Okay, and then what happens? All in whose was nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. Okay, we're going to talk about death, burial, resurrection next time. But, but we've got death. We've got, we've got that there is people that have died. Okay, Genesis 8 and 20. All of this is a shadow of good things to come. I know it's not always, it doesn't look like good news, but if you read a little deeper, you'll find it. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered a burnt offering on, on the altar. In other words, what we see is the earth is filled with violence and God brings destruction upon the world and God floods the earth. There is the water flooding the earth. And that very water that destroyed everybody else saved Noah. And the very thing that judged all the earth saved and spared Noah and his family. But we see that God is the one that shuts the door. So there we've got water and we've got spirit. And all of man dies. There's blood being shed and judgment being shed. There's judgment being passed on one group, if you will. And at the same time, even Noah gets out of the ark and sacrifices one of every one of those animals. 
of all of the clean beasts. So we've got blood, we've got water, and we've got spirit in the salvation of Noah and his family. There is judgment being passed, but instead of falling on Noah, it falls on, on the sacrifice. It falls on other things. Can I tell somebody that when we have accepted, when we have received Jesus Christ, when we have been baptized in his name, let's read 1 Peter 3 and 20. I want to see what happens in the Bible. The Bible says, which sometimes we were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. I don't even have time to talk about the patience of God. But God was very patient with man, and God will be patient with you. But God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by what? They were saved by water. And what is that figure like? The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Noah was saved by blood, water, and spirit. And we see that, that it is a typology that when he got in that ark, he was saved by water. And we see that that is a necessity even transferring into the New Testament. God moves that forward. Let's talk about Moses, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13. And the Bible says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. God is looking to save his people from Egypt. It's a type of sin. It's a type of the world. And what does God tell them to do? Take a lamb, a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb, and you slay that lamb. And you take the blood and you apply it to the posts of your house and upon your gates. And, and, and he said, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And death will not hit you because you've got the blood. But were they saved? Were they out of Egypt yet? No. They were still slaves in Egypt. And, and, and this is where some people, well, I just need the blood. No, you need a little more than that. Exodus 13 and 18. Continue on. So God says you need blood. And if you don't if I don't see the blood, there's going to be death on your house. If I don't see the blood, there's going to be destruction. But if I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That word pass over, uh, it actually is where we get the word interpose. It's not just God will God will just pass over. The Bible says there was an angel of death that passed over them. And as that angel passed over them, the Bible says that God interposes himself and says, I will stand at your door and I will cause death to pass over you. I'm thankful for God standing when he sees the blood. Amen. Exodus 13 and 18. The Bible says, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. God could have led them any other way. God could have took them a roundabout way. But he led them the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. He took them through the water. He took them through the Red Sea. 
God could have came up with a million other ways to save his people. But again, everything's a shadow. Everything's a typology. Everything's pointing to Jesus. And he's saying that, yes, you've got to have the blood, but you've got to have the water too. You've got you to have the blood of the lamb over your house, but you've got to go through the water. You've got to go through the water. Exodus 13 and 21. But is it enough just to have the blood and water? No. You've got to have the spirit. Exodus 13 and 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. And so here we have, they got the blood applied. They go through the Red Sea. They go through the water. And now they are being led of the Spirit. Anybody know what a typology of that is? Being led of the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the Spirit that is inside of you. You've got to have blood, water, and Spirit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. This is why... We, we've got to talk about these things. This is why we're going and going a little deeper. Uh, we're not just going to skip over everything. We could have gone one God and then said you're a sinner, and then you just got to obey Acts 2.38 and moved on. But some people don't understand what's really happening when they obey Acts 2.38. What's happening when you obey Acts 2.38, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, is you are applying the blood, the water, and the spirit. You are doing what the Bible has said from the very beginnings in Genesis, what it took to be saved, and you are you are you are adhering to the word of God. Amen. First Corinthians ten and one. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And what does he relate this to? And were all baptized unto Moses just in the water? No. In the cloud and in the sea. And, and, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit. Jesus said that you got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Amen. It's not enough. Just to, Some people say, well, all I need is the Holy Ghost. All I need is the Spirit. And there's charismatics that would say that. All I need is the Holy Ghost. But I want to tell you, you got to go through the water too. And there's those that would say, well, all I need to do is be baptized. And the Baptist would say, just go under in water. But, the, but speaking in tongues is of the devil. And I'm going to tell you, that's wrong too. You got to go through the water and the spirit. Amen. But I want you to notice all of them had already had the blood applied to their house, and nobody got to the Red Sea that did not have the blood applied. So they got blood, they got water, and they got spirit. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the in the cloud and in the sea. And every single person that's here today, you got to be baptized in the water and in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go and let's continue on. Let's talk about the Old Tabernacle or the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And then we read the verse we read earlier. And almost all things are purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no 
remission. What are we seeing here? We're seeing that there is a testament being started, what we call the Old Testament. And how was that Old Testament started? God spoke. The Spirit told Moses what to do. And that Spirit then told Moses to take water and blood. And that blood and that water was sprinkled on the book. It was sprinkled on the people. It was sprinkled on the tabernacle. It was sprinkled on all the vessels of the ministry. It was sprinkled all across. And he's saying, this is the testament. And they started what we know as the Old Testament. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And then Jesus said, this is my blood of the New Testament. Jesus is then showing there was an Old Testament, but I am the New Testament. And just like Moses brought blood and water, we read in our very opening scripture, and we'll get to that again in a minute, that Jesus came by blood and water. Not by blood only, but by blood and water. He is the t perfect typology. He is the perfect example of the typology of the Old Testament. When Moses started the tabernacle with blood and water, amen, I want you to know that Jesus showed up and he started the New Testament church with blood and water and he filled them with his spirit. Let's talk about the brazen altar, Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 27. What was he sprinkling? Well, they're going through and they're, 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 they're dedicating the tabernacle. They're starting an Old Testament system. Deuteronomy 12 and 27. And thou shalt offer, for, offer thy burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood upon the altar of the Lord thy God. And the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt eat the flesh. What is happening here? You see in the tabernacle, what he, what he was consecrating with blood and water was this tabernacle. And it's a perfect example of... Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll probably maybe take a little bit of time out and talk about the tabernacle in detail. It's one of the most fascinating things in the Bible. And uh, if the Bible bores you, just start reading about some of this stuff. It'll really excite you. Um, but we find that there is, there is an outer court, and, and then there is an inner court. There is the Holy of Holies. There are different, different places, and there are priests in each of those places and there's only one that's able to get into the Holy of Holies, and that is the high priest. But in the very outer court, there is this brazen altar, and it is where they would slay the animal. There would be a pouring of blood, and, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it is where we find repentance. And I want to tell you, everything starts with repentance. Everything starts at repentance. And so they slay the animal. There is a death. Again, we're going to talk about death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to talk about repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. We're going to go in detail for some of these things in the next little bit. But here, there is the shedding of blood. And then, we, we don't stop there. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter, I'm sorry, let's go to Exodus chapter 30 and verse number 18. The priests would slay the animal, and the blood of the animal would go, and they would, they would set a fire. They would light this animal on fire. And it would be a burnt offering before the Lord. Exodus 30 and 18. Then it tells them that this is what is also supposed to be in the tabernacle. Thou shalt also make a laver or a, a, a bowl, a giant bowl of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And thou shalt put water therein for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat 
when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash it with water that they die not. Or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn offerings made by fire unto the Lord. They had to go and they had to sacrifice a bloody animal, but they also had to wash in the labor of water. They had to have, and this is, this is where you see a washing. And what's beautiful about this, 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 this imagery is you see these, these, these priests that have got blood on their hands. And, and really, it is, is a type of what happens when we sin. We've got blood on our hands. And, 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 and ultimately, it is a typology that we are all guilty of the body and blood of Jesus Christ through our sins and through our actions. And they come to this labor of water. And I want you to notice about this labor of water, there's no dimensions given. There is no size. In other words, it doesn't matter how great your iniquity and sins are. doesn't matter how deep the problem goes, you can come to this labor of water. And they would wash, and there you see the, the blood coming off their hands. And there is, a, there is a mingling of blood and of water. It's a typology of Jesus Christ on the cross when blood and water comes out. And they have now gone through the blood. They've gone through the water. But Exodus chapter 25 and 22. Let's continue on. And this is why they go through all these. And again, we'll talk more about the the table of showbread another time. We'll talk about the, 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 the candles and, and all the other uh, items that are in the tabernacle, but we're just going through blood, water, spirit here today. But we see in Exodus chapter 25 and 22, God says that once they've done these things, once they go through and he's giving instructions to Aaron, he's giving instructions to the high priest, and there I will meet with thee and will commune with thee from above the mercy seat and from between the cherubs which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee commandment unto the children of Israel. And we don't have time to go into it today, but we can, we can do this another time. But you see that, the, they, that the, the priests come, they sacrifice, there's blood. They go to the labor of water, there is, there is the washing and, and I want you to notice, this is a side note. Do you know what the brazen, altar, or the brazen uh, labor of water was made out of? It was made out of the looking glasses of the women. In other words, when you look in the water, the Bible says we're washed by the water of the word. And every time you look in that word, the Bible says, James says it's like a mirror. And man beholds himself. And when you get in that water, you should see what you are, what you've been. And as you mix that blood, it starts to, your, your image starts to change. Can I preach to somebody about when you go into the watery grave in Jesus' name, your image begins to change into the likeness of Jesus. But then, after doing all these things and going through all the steps of the tabernacle, the high priest comes in and there's a veil stopping him from getting into the most holy place. And it is in there that there is the mercy seat. It's in there there is the ark. It's in there there's the presence of God. It's in there there's the spirit. And only one person could get into the spirit once a year. Can I tell you how powerful the Holy Ghost is? You, you don't have to be the high priest. You don't have to be of the tribe of Levi. You don't have to be the sons of Aaron. You don't have to have the right blood flowing through your veins. But now, through the blood of Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, 
The Bible says that when Jesus was on that cross, that veil was ripped in two from the top to the bottom. And now the Bible says that we have access through his blood. Can I tell you now, it's not just one person that can get in the presence of God. It's not just two people, but it's everybody. I want you to know that when you go through the blood, when you go through the water, amen, the Bible says it's the promise that you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now you have the ability to receive the Spirit. Somebody lift up your hands and praise him oh come on let's worship him when you go through the blood and the water you have a promise that you can have the spirit you can get in the presence of God hallelujah as a side note just for fun Elijah needed to hear from God and what did he do slew an animal poured water on the sacrifice and God answered by fire blood water spirit you need an answer from God. You need to get out of what you're going through. You need to get away from false doctrine, blood, water, spirit. Hallelujah. John chapter 3 and verse number 5. I can talk about Elijah for a little while, but there's a, there's a, a ultimately, the, the, this is what happens with the two sacrifices. One didn't need blood, water, and spirit. One said, no, we'll just, we'll just have blood. We'll just cry a lot. We'll just, we'll just do all these other things, and their God never answered them. But we've got a God that will answer by fire if we bring forth blood and water. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 5. Now, we're moving into the New Testament. All of those ideologies, all of those typologies, they don't make a whole lot of difference if you don't take a New, ap New Testament application. None of none, We can talk about blood, water, spirit. It doesn't make a difference. We can talk about sin and salvation. But until we, we start applying it through New Testament understanding, it won't make any difference in your life. Amen. You could have all the knowledge, but if you've not done what Jesus says right here, it doesn't make any difference. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John chapter 19 and verse 34. What's Jesus talking about? Water and spirit. Okay? And I'll put it this way. In the New Testament, you don't separate. You, you can't separate blood and water. They go together. They go together. The Bible says this, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith there came, came there out blood and water. Just like Adam in the Old Testament, Jesus is having, Adam had a bride pulled from his side, and now Jesus is having a bride pulled from his side. And what is that bride? The bride is the church. And how does that bride come forth? Blood and water. The only way you can join the church is blood and water. The only way you can, the only way you can be part of the, the, the bride of Christ is blood and water. Amen. First John chapter 5, 6, we'll go back to our original text. This is he that came by blood, even Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. Blood, water, spirit, 1 John 5 and 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. What do they agree upon? They agree upon the fact that the penalty of sin has been paid. When you've gone through the blood, the water, and the spirit, there is an agreement that is made. There is a witness that is made that the individual has been saved. 
there is a testimony that has been put forth that this individual has been saved and has done what Jesus Christ came to do. Jesus came by blood and water and then told his people, you got to be born again of water and spirit, this spirit of truth. And those three things, blood, water, and spirit, they testify and they agree that you have been saved. But how do you apply the blood, water, and spirit to your life? Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. He gets done preaching on the day of Pentecost. Now when they heard this, they were pricked, they were convicted in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of, their, the, rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we have to do now that we've heard that, that, that it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. What, what do we do now that we know that we have crucified our only Messiah and our Savior? What do we do? And this was his answer. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? The remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is given for many for the remission of sins. In other words, when you repent and you're baptized, in water, you are you are connecting yourself to the blood of Jesus. You are going in the water. Blood and water has mingled just like the labor of water. And you are now being transformed. You are now being changed. And then he gives a promise. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you repent, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, when you receive the Holy Ghost, what have you received? You've received that witness. You've received that testimony of blood, water, and spirit. Somebody give him praise. When you are repentant, there is death. When you are baptized, there is burial. And then when you receive the Holy Ghost, there is resurrection. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1, and then I'm, I'll be finished here. I got a lot more we could talk about, but we'll just finish with this. Amen. Somebody said, well, I just got wet. No. When you went down in that watery grave, that was when the blood was applied to your life. Amen. The blood was applied when you got the water. Amen. In Jesus' name. Romans 6 and 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? That's where we get blood. We, are, we got the blood is death when he shed his blood on Calvary. Therefore, we are buried with him by, with, by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Can I just tell somebody that when you repented, you joined him in his death. That's where you joined in. And, and when you're baptized, you're buried. You joined him. And then when you get the Holy Ghost, you've joined him. Uh, everything we do in the church, when we baptize you, when you repent, when you get the Holy Ghost, all of this is to follow what the Word of God says. All of this is to join us with the doctrines in the Bible. Amen. So when you repent, what's really happening? You're looking at the death of Jesus on the cross. You're looking at the blood. And when you repent, somebody said, well, I just repent and I got the blood. No. When you repent, you make it up in your mind, I'm going to be baptized. 
I'm going to be baptized because I've got to get that blood applied to my life. And you go down in the watery grave in Jesus' name, and you're buried with him in baptism. And I want to give you good news that when you're buried, God won't leave you there. God won't leave you in death. God won't leave you in burial. God will make sure he resurrects you to newness of life. When you get the blood, the water, you always get the spirit. Somebody lift up your hands and lift. let's worship him. Let's stand all across the building. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your blood, God. Thank you for your blood. The precious blood of Christ. We're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. No, no, we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And God, I want to say thank you for the waters of baptism. Just like the waters that that saved Noah, God. It's it, 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 Everybody else died. There was, there was blood in that water, God. I'm so thankful, Lord, that your blood was in the waters of baptism, God. I was baptized in your name, God. But I'm thankful, Lord, that you opened the door, you shut the door, that your spirit was there, God. I'm thankful, Lord, that they were baptized in the water and in the cloud, just like we were baptized in the water and in the spirit, God. I'm thankful that I've received your blood. I've received the water. And I received the Spirit, God. I'm grateful that you paid the price and you paid the penalty for me. Somebody lift up your hands and let's praise him. Come on, somebody magnify him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. You repent, you're baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. You're joining the blood, water, and spirit all together. And it's a witness, it's a testimony. That's when you know you've been saved. That's when you know you've been changed. Anybody thankful to be in the church? Let's give them a hand clap of praise one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you all for your attention. Let's take this next little bit. And uh, if you need to get a drink of water, go grab a drink of water. Um, shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Let's come and let's have a time of prayer. If you want to communicate and chat, I, I would ask that you go right out the door and down the hall just a little bit. Um, that way we're not disturbing those that want to pray. And let's get ready for worship. Amen? Somebody worship the Lord. Come on, somebody praise Him. We want your presence to rain down in this house. We want your presence to move in this house like a rushing wind that filled on the day of Pentecost, like a raging fire burning this house. Every individual to feel the fire of God. Somebody praise him. Somebody magnify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Why don't you lift up your hands all across the building? Come on, somebody worship him. Come on, it's been a while since some folks just begin to worship God. He's in this house. He's in this house. Lift him up. God, we want you to rain down. We want a rushing mighty wind. We want the fire to fall, God, in this building. On every family, on every man, woman, and child. Let the presence of God come. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Mark chapter 2. Hallelujah. I want to say how wonderful it is to see everybody in the house of God on this Sunday. Amen. It's good to have all of our visitors. There's actually quite a few in the house of God here today. We're so grateful that you've come, and we'd love to have you come back. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the weather is really bipolar. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Um, kind of like some of our world. Hallelujah. It doesn't know what it wants to be, but uh, I know it's starting to, Lord willing, it's going to start getting warmer and sunnier and Hallelujah. And I want to I want to commend everybody for coming to the house of the Lord here today and uh, and just being in God's house. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house and straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so as much. Of, uh, so, I'm sorry. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and to take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. The Bible says they reasoned within themselves. Jesus says, whether it's easier or what's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up thy bed and walk. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this question. What's easier? What's easier? Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray? Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. We're so grateful to be in your presence, grateful to be in your house. Hallelujah. Show us things that we've never seen on this fashion, God. Do miraculous things. Do wonderful things, God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody pray. We worship you, Jesus. Speak to every heart, every mind, every visitor, God, every saint. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's give him some praise. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them God bless you, and you can be seated. What's easier? People want to be in the presence of God. I'll say that again. People want to be in the presence of God. We were created to be in His presence. We long for it. We crave it. We can't be satisfied without it. Bible lets us know that Adam was one that walked with God in the cool of the day because Adam wanted to be in the presence of God. The Bible lets us know that Enoch was translated. He was raptured. He was one that had not seen death. And the Bible says he had this testimony that he pleased God, that he walked with God. Can I tell you, it's so important that people walk with God. Amen. There's a lot of things we could do in life, a lot of things that we could be interested in, a lot of things we could spend time money and energy doing but I've come to let somebody know that there is one need that cannot be fulfilled with money amen there's one need that cannot be fulfilled through any other avenue any other individual and that is being in the presence of God hallelujah there's a whole world that I, I truly believe I don't think that it's because people are are inherently just uh, terrible individuals but I think every time they take a drag off of, 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 of a cigarette or off of a pipe or off of something else, uh, that they're truly longing to be in God's presence. I think that every time they take one too many drinks uh, to try to escape reality, what they're really looking for is they're looking for the presence of God. Every time they inject a needle into their veins, I've come to let somebody know what they're really looking for is the presence of God. Can I tell you, you're in the right house if you're looking for the presence of God. You can't find him at a bar. You can't find him at a club. But you can find him in the house of God. Oh, somebody praise him. The Bible says that, that it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. Can I, can I put an expiration date on dead church? Can I just put a, a decline letter out there for dead church? The Bible says when it was noise abroad. I've come to tell you it's not time for the apostolic church to have quiet, dead, dry, boring Honey, when you come into an apostolic church, uh, there ought to be a noise uh, coming from this house. Come on. Heaven forbid the bar down the way uh, has more noise going on it than the church. Uh, heaven forbid uh, that the clubs up on the hill have more noise coming from them than the church. Uh, it ought to be noise abroad. Uh, we got something uh, that you're looking for. Uh, we got uh, what you've been praying for. We've got what you've been crying for. Uh, somebody praise him. Oh, somebody praise him for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's why we can't come to the house and be dead dry and
and like like a root that's been pulled up twice dead hallelujah amen we've got to come to church and there's got to be something happening there's got to be a noise because this world's looking for something this world is listening trying to find out where the next high can be found they're trying to find out where the next the next exciting things happening but there ought to be a noise coming from the house of God that lets them know we've got it Come on. I said we've got it. We've got it. We're not looking for it. We're not searching for it. We got it. Amen. Peter put it this way. This is that. What you've been searching for, that's right here. What you've been craving, it's right here. This is that. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on. Let's glorify him. Hallelujah. The whole world looking for the presence of God. We ought to let them know it's here. A whole world is searching for happiness. And I'm going to tell you, happiness is not in the next relationship. It's not on the next high. It's not on the next drag. It's not on the next drink. Uh, amen. True joy and fulfillment. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Ghost, is righteousness, peace, and joy. There is fullness of joy, the Bible says, in his presence. What you've been longing for, what you've been searching for, it's right here. And there were some folks that found out Jesus was there. And when it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house, we've got to be the kind of people that tell everybody where Jesus is. I don't care if it's your barber. I don't care if it's your waitress. You let them know where Jesus is. Hallelujah. They might go to church all their life, and they're twice dead, plucked up by the roots. You let them know that dead, dry religion never changed you, never helped you, never healed you. But let me tell you about a house. Let me tell you about a place called Apostolic Revival Center that Jesus shows up. Let me tell you about a house where those that are sick are healed. Those that are blind can now see. Those that are deaf can now hear. We've experienced it. There's got to be a noise of testimony that goes out from the house of God that begins to let everybody know this is where Jesus is. This is where healing's at. This is where hope is at. This is where joy and peace is found. It's found in the house. The Bible says they came from everywhere. You know what? The presence of other people is going to be proceeded by the presence of God. And that's why when we come to church, we come with the sole intention of bringing the presence of God. Well, I don't understand why you guys sing and shout and dance and run. And doesn't make a whole lot of sense why the, why the music's so loud. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we're more interested in having God's presence come down. I don't really care about the preference of other people. What I really care about is having the presence of God fall down. And my Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. That's why we're a praising church. That's why we're a worshiping church. And we won't apologize for one dance, for one hand clap, for one shout. I'll tell you why. Because when we praise him, he shows up. When we worship him, he shows up. Oh, somebody do that for a moment. 
Come on. Take about 30 seconds and just give God some praise. Give God some worship. I want your presence in the house. I want your glory in the house. Lift up your hands and worship him. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. That's where revival is. Revival's when his presence shows up. Revival's when we're in proximity to his presence. It's when the glory of God shows up. Hallelujah. That's where revival's found. Oh, hallelujah. But when we can get the presence of God in the house, well, why do you live the way you live? I'll tell you why we live the way we live and act the way we act, talk the way we talk, because we want the presence of God here. Somebody once said, well, if you can just get rid of this, that, and the other, change this, that, and the other, you know, I really like what I feel, but if you just change this, uh, I'd start making this the, my home church, and I'd start coming and doing this, and, and I X, Y, and Z, you name it. But that person didn't understand that the reason they feel what they feel, the reason they experience what they experience are the very things they're trying to get rid of. I've come to let you know the reason we are doing what we're doing in the house of God is because we want God's presence to stay here. We want God's presence to dwell among us richly. But it was noised abroad. People began to talk about it. Jesus was in the house. And thank God for talkers. Not every talker. Not gossipers. Let me correct that. Thank God for talkers that talk about Jesus. Uh, they're not gossipers. They're gospelers. Hallelujah. They're not gossiping. They're sharing the gospel. Thank God for people like that, that, that when they go through the, the car wash, they got to tell somebody about Jesus. Thank God for people like that that just got to talk about the fact that, oh, man, you, you should have been at church on Sunday. You, you really missed out on Wednesday. Oh, that was a great prayer meeting. You know, I'm telling you, we'd affect a whole lot more if we just started talking a little bit more about Jesus. If we just testified of the goodness of the Lord. I ain't waiting for a testimony service and for the mic to hit my hands. I got to tell everybody. I got to tell everybody of the goodness of the Lord. They began to talk about Jesus. There were some folks that were listening. And if we'll talk, there'll be some people that'll listen. Amen. And these men heard that Jesus' presence was in the house. And there was something that struck a chord. I've got to get in God's presence. But above and beyond just getting into God's presence, they looked and found their most busted, messed up buddy. And said, we heard about Jesus. And we heard of a house that Jesus was in. And they'd heard enough good things about Jesus. They knew that if it's good enough for us to go into God's presence, let's go find our most messed up friend, our most busted buddy. Let's bring them to the house that Jesus is. Can I tell the church that we are nothing more than a hospital for the broken and for the busted and for the wayward? This is not some club for the elite, but the church is a place where everybody can come. In fact, the more busted you are, the more welcome you are. Because we want to see a testimony of what God will do. Lift up your hands and praise him. Come on. 
Come on, there's some folks here today you think, well, I'm just too busted. I'm too broken. No, you're in the right house. You're in the right house. You came to the right place. In fact, we're about to see a testimony of what God will do in your life. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. The Bible says they heard and they picked up their friend. Don't be afraid to pick people up for church. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be here today if somebody had to pick me up for church. Once they picked me up and they stopped picking me up, I started walking, but that's another story for another time. But we ought to pick people up. We ought to feel the weight on our shoulders and say, you know what, we're going to go see Jesus because that's what you really need. Let me help somebody. I, I want to tell you it was because he had four friends that were tired of him being busted. Don't, be a, don't, don't spend all your time around people that are just as busted as you. They're comfortable in their condition. Uh, you need to get around some people that say, you know what? Uh, this, is not, this is not what God wants. Uh, this should not be status quo. Uh, we ought to hang around people that say, you know what? God's got more for you. Hey, when I'm down and out, when I'm busted and broke, I don't want to be around a bunch of people that want to kick me while I'm down and throw me down. I want to be around a few folks that will pick me up. Can I tell you, your buddies at the bar might drop you and never come back for you, but you're looking at a group of people right here that on your worst day, we're still here. On your best day, we're still here. When you're blessed or broke, we're still here. Came in the church and I found that. I found there's a group of people that'll be there through it all. People that'll pick you up, people that'll be there for you, pray with you. I'm telling you, there's no substitution for the church. There's no substitution for the people of God. Amen. They heard that there was somebody that could heal their friend. And they said, Let's bring our friend to Jesus. And they showed up to the house. And I'm praying one day this happens. We'll pay, we'll pay for insurance money, whatever deductibles we got to do. But I'm praying for the day that the church is so packed out, people can't make it through the door. The Bible says they couldn't find a way through the door. There was no window. Every window was blocked. Somebody was hanging out in the window. I'm praying for the day ARC where there's so many people trying to get in the door. I hope we make every rock concert embarrassed because we got more people lined up waiting to get in the church. Doors haven't opened yet. I hope we make every movie theater embarrassed because we got people showing up a couple hours before ready to get in the presence of Jesus, ready to get into the house of God. Oh, somebody praise him. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Come on, that's the spirit of revival right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to wait for hours outside of a football game. I'm going to wait for church. I'm going to wait to get in the presence of God. I'll wait at the door. I'll wait at the window. However I got to wait, I'm going to get there. But they were, they were looking for every avenue. They could not get in through conventional means. Can I tell you, when you're really wanting to get to God, you can't wait for the convenient. When you want to get to God, you can't wait for the conventional. When you really want to get to God, there's just something that, that, that you can't allow walls to hinder you. You can't allow the roof to hinder you. You can't allow other people to hinder you. If you want to get to Jesus, you got to be willing to climb up all the way. you got to be willing to... 
I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say that it was fun. I didn't say it was enjoyable. But these guys said, our friend's too busted for us to stay down here and try to go in the easy way and go in the convenient way. But let's grab our friend and take him up on the roof. I'm telling you, that's where revival is when people start saying, I don't care what it costs me to get to church. I don't care what it takes to get in the presence of God. I don't care if I got to climb, I'll go ahead and climb. I don't care if I got to dig, I'll go ahead and dig. I don't care if I got to come early and pray, I'll come early and pray. I'm telling you, I'm not looking to be the bare minimum Christian. I'm saying, Lord, how can I go up another level? How can I go higher than I am? How can I get, I want to get in your presence presence some miracles are only are, are only available for people that are willing to go the extra mile not all miracles show up at your doorstep some miracles take work hallelujah said some miracles take work and, and, and we've got to be the kind of people that we are so interested in being in God's presence we don't care what work is there I just want to be there Amen. Can I tell somebody we got to get to Jesus by any means necessary? I said we've got to be able and willing to get to God's presence by any means necessary. Nobody's going to get in my way. In other words, let me preach to some folks that are trying to make their way to Jesus. You can't allow a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a relationship to stop you from getting to Jesus. Well, you can't allow any pursuit, any ideology. You can't allow any, any wall that has been in your way that's been set there for years to stop you from getting into the presence of Jesus. And let me, let me break it down like this. You can't allow the roof to stop you from getting to Jesus. Yeah, you know that ceiling? You can only go this far. You can't allow that ceiling, and you can't allow that roof. You can only go this high. You can only go this far. This is as much as you can do. You can't allow that to stop you from getting to your miracle. You can't allow that to stop you from getting to the presence of Jesus. You've got to be willing to dig through that roof. You've got to break through that roof. you got to... Come on, you got to get beyond uh, all the things they said you can't do, uh, all the things they said you wouldn't be able to do. Uh, you got to break through those paradigms. And the Bible says, they dug through the roof. And I know some people that give up when it gets hard. Children of God cannot be those kind of people. If you give up when it gets hard, you won't get anything in life. You got to be the kind of person that says it got hard, it got tough, the roof was too hard for me at that moment. And, and, and you know what? There's some focus, some people that get focused on this. It was easier for them. You can't get tripped up on the fact that it's easier for somebody else. Oh, well, they had it easy all their life. First off, you don't know the trouble they've seen. Well, they just got to go in the front door, climb through the window. They, they got here before me. They're further along in the process. You can't allow that to stop you from getting to Jesus. 
They don't have the struggles I have. They don't have the, 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 the issues, and they don't have the dysfunctions that I have. And people will often stop themselves and become paralyzed in the fact that others don't have their struggle and others don't have their problems. But if you get stopped by the fact that other people don't have your struggles and problems, you'll never get to the miracle where God helps you with your struggles and your problems. Don't die. Don't die by comparison. Don't die by comparison. Well, they just got more money than me. They've had a better family and home life than me. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Uh, they think, well, I'm just going to stop where I am because I can't get in as easy as everybody else. Uh, you've got to have the persistence that says, I'll go through the roof if I got to. I will go through hard things if I got to, but I'm going to get to Jesus. I will go through barriers and paradigms and mindsets, whatever I got to do, but I will get in the presence of God. Oh, somebody worship him. Come on, let's pray. I'm preaching to somebody right there. Come on. Come on, don't die by comparison. Uh, don't die because somebody else had it easier. Uh, or in your mind, they had it easier. Uh, you just dig. Uh, you just dig. Uh, you just climb. Uh, you just do whatever you got to do. Uh, you go through hard things. Uh, but you get to Jesus. Oh, somebody pray. Come on, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, I've come to tell somebody, I don't, it does not matter too much how hard it was for you to get where you are, you ought to be thankful for the fact that you've come this far, amen, don't worry about how long the journey's been, how high the climb's been, and how hard the roof is, you just begin to worship God that you came this far, oh, somebody praise him. they dig through, break through that roof. As they break through that roof, they let, they let him down through the roof. Because your friends can only take you so far. You got to get to Jesus for yourself. And I, I, I know that it was a long journey for him. It wasn't as easy. It took a lot more work. But now he's in the presence of Jesus. I don't know how much work it took for you to come to church here today. I'm not just talking to visitors. I'm talking to saints of God. I don't know how much you had to go through just to make it to church, but I've come to give you good news. You made it. Well, preacher, I went through a whole lot this week. Great, but you made it. Thank God you're in the house of God, in the presence of God. You can focus on all the things you had to go through to get here, or you can be thankful and say, at least I made it here. And since I made it in the presence of God, I'm going to get what I came for. And I'll tell you what Jesus does for every individual. I'll tell you what Jesus is concerned with. The very first thing Jesus says, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Only guy that has not asked for forgiveness, he goes, you're forgiven. In other words, he realized you have a forgiveness issue. And I'm going to deal with the forgiveness first. 
Can I help somebody that came to church here today? You got struggles, you got troubles, you got trials, you got issues, you got compulsions and addictions and all these other things. You're broke, you need you're destitute, afflicted. You need God to come through in all these ways. You need miracles, signs, wonders. You need God to heal you, God to help you, God to provide for you. I've come to let you know God can do all of that. But the first thing he's concerned with is is it well with your soul? The first thing he wants to know is has the forgiveness taken place yet? The first thing he wants to know is have you gotten right with God yet? He wants mankind to know there's an ultimate concern before I bless you, before I heal you, before I deliver you, before I make a way for you. I want to save you. I want to forgive you. I want to Oh, somebody praise him. Jesus is more interested in your salvation than he is in your body being healed. Let me tell you, God is more interested in saving your soul than he is in giving you a new job. I got to preach this because there's a whole world that's that's sold out on prosperity doctrine. And I've come to let you know the true prosperity preachers are apostolic preachers because we preach it the way that Paul preached it. That you should prosper even as your soul prospers. I, I'm telling you, God's come to bless. God's come to heal. God's come to deliver. But first things first, honey, he wants to know, are you saved? He wants to know, has it gotten right? Have you been forgiven of all your sins? Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody needs forgiveness first. Before we move on, you got to get forgiveness first. And he's come to offer it to you today. You didn't even ask for it, but you showed up, and it's already on the table. You struggled to get here, and forgiveness is on the table. You fought to get here, and forgiveness is on the table. You, you, you went through all sorts of hard things and troubles and trials. You had to go up and had to go down. But get there's forgiveness for you. Oh, lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, I feel him in this house. Come on, there's some folks that need to respond to God. Hallelujah. Yes, God is somebody that wants to prosper people, but he starts with the soul. Amen. The Bible says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can have all the money in the world, and you can still die lost. You could start a multi-billion dollar. I'm telling you right now, Steve Jobs had more money than we could even think about, and he couldn't cure himself. He couldn't heal himself. He couldn't save himself. You could have an enterprise. You could have a billion-dollar business. But I've come to let you know, you got to answer this question first. Is it well with my soul? Have I been saved? Have I been set free? All of a sudden, these religious people showed up. Because wherever the presence of Jesus is, religious people will show up. Now, we know what the Bible says about pure religion. It's undefiled before God. The right religion is really what we would deem relationship with God. We're not just doing things so we look better than everybody else. We're doing it because we want to be close to God. But in this, there are always going to be some religious people that don't really want to be in his presence. They just want to be there to criticize everybody else that wants to be in their presence. But I don't got time to talk about that today. But, but suffice it to say, they show up and they're there to judge. They're there to criticize. You'd be shocked why people come to church. 
You think everybody came to church with a pure motive and a pure heart. But the truth is, some folks just showed up to criticize the music, showed up to criticize the people, showed up to criticize the preacher. There's people that show up to church for all sorts of reasons. But I want to know, did anybody show up to come to Jesus' presence? We don't worry about those people. We didn't worry about the critics. We're worried about, did you show up to be in God's presence? They showed up to criticize, and they showed up to just say their opinion. And in their mind, they're questioning everything that Jesus is doing. And there's people, you showed up here today, and you're questioning everything you've seen since the moment you walked in. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Let me tell you, Jesus came to cure the critic, too. Jesus came to cure the critic, too. He started with forgiveness, and then he's come to cure the critic. You know how you cure the critic? When signs and wonders follow. You know how you cure the critic when God shows up and God shows out? You know how you cure the critic when all of a sudden you see somebody that was sick in their body on their way down and God heals them? You know how you cure the critic when somebody was addicted, somebody was on their way to hell, and God turned them around where they were blind, but now they see. Lift up your hands and let's glorify him. He's in this building to heal. He's in this building to deliver. It's not too late for you. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. God's come to help you. God's come to heal you. God's come to save you. And Jesus hears what they think in their mind. And they think to themselves, it's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God? Jesus is God. Hallelujah. And he poses a question. What's easier? What's easier, to forgive sins or to tell somebody to get up and to walk home different? What's easier? Let me talk to those that got a revelation of forgiveness but not freedom. Oh, I know God's merciful. I know God's full of grace. I know God's loving. I know I can be forgiven of all my wrongs. But I don't think that I can change. Let me preach to the person that's got a revelation of freedom, but not of forgiveness. Yes, I know I could change. But it doesn't fix all the things that I've done wrong. I've been so bad that I cannot be forgiven. It's error on both sides. To say that all God can do is forgive me, but he can't change me. And to say, well, yes, I can change, but I've done too much wrong. That you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know who I was with. And I can't be forgiven. I've come to preach to you what's easier. They're both just as easy. Because with God, all things are possible. Let me help somebody. You might have messed up. You might have made mistakes and said there's no way God can forgive me. But you'd have to tell that to the blood of Jesus that was precious, that was spotless, that said I didn't die for you when you had it all together. But while we were sinners, while we were without strength, while we were ungodly, he died for us. Lift up your hands and let's worship him. Why don't we stand across the building? Come on, let's pray. There's people in this building 
No, I'm, I'm too messed up. He couldn't forgive me. And there's others. I know God will forgive me for what I've done wrong, but I can't be changed. I can't be changed. I keep falling back into the same old, same old. I can't walk away differently. Oh, let's pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. There's people here today. You've been questioning. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's maybe for so-and-so, but not for me. I'm too busted. I'm too fragmented. I'm too hurt. I, I'm too bitter. This, this is happening. That's happened. Somebody pray. Oh, somebody pray. In the name of Jesus. God's moving in this house. God's moving in this house. Oh, somebody pray. Yes, God can forgive you. Yes, God can heal you. Yes, God can change you. Yes, God can make things new in your life. There's people here today that struggle with past regrets. And they're like, well, I just can't change. Nope, no changing for me. They had to drop me off at church. I couldn't even get here myself. Some people were probably here because somebody dragged you to church. They tricked me into coming to church. They dragged me into coming to church. I can't be changed. That's some folks falling the boat. I can't be changed and I can't be forgiven. Jesus looks at the man and says, I want you to know something about me. The Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He didn't say that to the critics. He turned to the man and said, just so you know, that forgiveness I offer to you, it's real. That mercy I've been offering to you, it's real. And then he says this, rise. I'm too busted. No. Okay, you can forgive me, but I'm too messed up. Rise. You don't know I've been laying down a long time. I've been hurt a lot. Rise. Somebody's hear the word of God here today. He's telling you, rise up. Rise up. Don't stay down. Don't stay down. Don't stay down. Rise up. The first step of change is always getting up. I'm going to lay down in my failures. I'm going to lay down on the fact that I'll always be this way. And things will never change in my life. And, and you know what? That I, I don't even, you know, thank you for your forgiveness, but I'll never change. And he says, get up from that. Get up from that. you got to rise above that. you got to rise and say, I can change. Rise up. Take up your bed and get out of here. Get out of here with the testimony that God forgives and God changes. Get out of here and let everybody know this is the bed that used to carry me, but now I'm carrying it. This used to be my crutch, but I'm getting rid of it. This used to be what held me up, but I'm now holding it up. What's easier, saying of God, for God to forgive you or God to change you? What's easier for a God that's all-powerful? Are there levels of difficulty for God? No. Just as easy as he can wave forgiveness and say, you're forgiven. He can say, 
You don't have to struggle with that anymore. Jacob came in a liar, cheat, and a thief. I'll change the way you walk, too. I'll change your name, your nature, and I'll make sure you walk home different. And I've come to tell somebody that's what God's come to do in this house. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray as the musicians begin to come and sing. Come on, let's pray. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? It may be harder for you to come to this altar than some folks, but don't worry about that. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. I want to open up this altar. He can forgive you, but I want you to know you can walk home different too. He can forgive you, but he can change you. He can forgive you, but he can also transform you. He can forgive you, but you can go home blessed. You can go home favored. You can go home different. Hallelujah, let's pray. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Come on, I wouldn't stay back in your pew. I'd find my way to this altar and say, God, forgive me. God, change me. Use your power, God. Help me. It's all possible for God. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's too hard.
Lift up your hands. Come on. God, you've come to change me. Lift up your voice and worship him. Come on, sing this as a prayer. You've forgiven me. 
But God, I also believe you've changed me. You've done it all, God. You made me whole. Somebody worship him all across the building. I won't go back. I can't Come on, let's praise him. God, I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him all across the building. Lift up your hands and your voice. Let's praise him. God's done a work in our lives here today. Come on, he's got power to forgive, but he's got power to change. He's got power to make holes. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you want to pray, 